Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. I'm so happy that you tuned in to listen today because we have another incredible story that many of you will relate to. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done that, who have done just that. They were at a place where they didn't feel there was any hope and so they gave up. But each one of my guests didn't stop there. No matter what happened, they didn't give up. They went forward. And that's why they have a story to share. My guests have all survived incredible circumstances of one form or another. And as a result, they have a passion to help others. And that was, I think, is unique to people who have been in terrible situations and have come out the other side is they want to help somebody else. And so that's what this is about. That's what this show's entire platform is. Some of these people have overcome extreme poverty and they've turned out to be successful millionaires. And you know, there are no limits and that's why I said there's no limits on this show because no matter what you've gone through there's always that thread of hope and things can improve and change and also many of my guests have shared how when trauma hits them that they use those as stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks so no matter what you've experienced whether it's abuse or pain or sickness any number of traumas that you may have had in your life, there is probably a guest who has been on this show that can help you. And so I am so glad to be able to offer this. And also, listeners, thank you so much because without you, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for your feedback and your input and your suggestions. It is all appreciated. With me today, I have Adelina Tanshoko. She is a certified coach and an inspirational speaker. Adelina specializes in supporting women to stop living a life on autopilot. Oh my goodness, I think there's every woman out there can relate to that. And she wants to help them create richer and more fulfilling lives. Adelina has quite the story to share with us today and also she's going to make some incredible offers for the listeners as we approach the end of the podcast. So stay tuned. Right now, we're going to welcome Adelina. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. I love your podcast and I'm really grateful to be a part of it today. And it goes both ways. Thank you. So now before we discuss as I mentioned, you have services that you're going to offer to our listeners. Let's talk about the time in your life 
when you were so severely depressed that you began brainstorming ways you could die. I never heard anyone put it that way, and I found that to be very interesting and, and very intriguing to hear what you are going to share about that. So tell us what happened to bring you to that place. Um, I believe it was your engagement. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, to, to give a little bit of background, even before that, I come from a family of divorce. And so I never believed in marriage. Um, and then I fell deeply in love. And I was with a man for six years. And I actually started to see myself marrying him. And I was excited about the idea. Um, and then about a month before we got married, I learned that he was cheating on me. Oh, my word. Yeah. And so like all my fears about when I was a kid about marriage never working out and things happening and everything going, you know, haywire came forth and solidified. And I just I fell into this deep, deep depression. Um, And I was a therapist at the time. And so it was it was interesting because I felt like, oh, wait, but I know what to do and how to cope. And yet I'm still depressed. Interesting. Yeah. And so I stopped eating. I was barely sleeping. I was going to therapy. I was going to the gym. I was doing acupuncture. I was doing everything I could possibly think of to heal, um, but it wasn't working. And so I started brainstorming. Yeah. Like you said, all the ways that I could die um, because I just couldn't imagine living with the pain that I had. And was it the pain from was it just this particular incident or was it just, you know, pain from a many, many different areas of your life? And were you possibly, uh, as a second part of this question, were you possibly in a self-hatred mode? And if so, why? So what was all involved there? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's a really good question. Um, you know, I think it was this idea of like, oh, you should have known better. You know, men cheat and they abuse and they, they hurt you, you know, from, and that was kind of my early childhood upbringing. And so here I was letting in somebody into my heart and then I'm hurt. And so it was, yes, I was hurt from that, but it was more of this like, like ongoing pain of overlapping that I didn't ever fully heal. And then this situation just made it a catalyst of like, I just want to give up, forget it, never mind. And, And it was also this extreme, and I don't think I ever shared it like this before, but it really felt like this, shame. I was ashamed that here I was. This, I, my mom had raised me a very strong, independent woman. And here I was letting a man come in and, and hurt me. Right. And I've since changed the framework. But at the time, it felt like, what were you thinking? Um, you know, how embarrassing, because everybody, everyone knew that I was getting married. And we had like a 300 person oh. wedding planned. And then I come from a small town, and so okay. everyone heard and was wondering how Adelina was doing, and it just felt, like I said, like a really embarrassing and, and deeper than embarrassment. I think it was it was really shame shameful. Also, you probably had to deal with guilt. Oh yeah, yeah, so much guilt of of what what was I what did I do wrong or maybe I deserved this or how come I didn't see red flags ahead of time, all, all types of guilt. How long did that take you to get over that part of that? Oh, well, like I said, it was, I think it was a combination of things throughout my life, this being the catalyst. 
But my deep going into my depression, it was about a year before I really started coming out. Yeah, and I'm I'm so grateful um, that I couldn't find a way. And this is just, I mean, it's it's crazy to think, but I really couldn't find a way that I would be a hundred percent sure that I would die, and that it would be painless. And that's really what kept me from. So that's where your that's where your focus was, and that's what I believe you are all about is having the right focus. Right. Yeah. And so when your focus was based on the negative and then of course, you know, all the negative emotions went with that. Am I am I on the right track here? You're totally in the right track. And you know, what happened was because I was focused on the negative, you know, they say that when when, when it rains it pours, everything was breaking down in my life. So I was losing friendships, I was losing connections um, with family members, I was having a hard time at work, like I said, my health was, um, I had lost so much weight that my family was starting to get really worried about me, I, I struggled eating, so it was just, my focus was on what wasn't working, and so everything started to feel like it wasn't working. Did this bring in a new fear? Like, did you have to, or, or were you fearless because you were looking for a way to, you know, get it over with? Or did it bring in a possible fear that you had to cope with, such as fear of failure, for example? Yeah, I think, you know, it was definitely a fear of failure, but I, it felt like, and it goes back to what I said earlier about the shame and the embarrassment, it was this fear of everyone watching me fail. This idea that I was like on the spotlight um, because everyone was watching what I was going to do next or how I was coping or if I looked like I was doing okay. Like every time I went to an outing, everyone would be like, oh, how are you? And I just felt like there was so much more to their statement than they said. Mm -hmm. Like they really wanted to know. And some of them were really there for, you know, in a very loving way. Others, I felt like they were taking in this idea of like, the gossip, you know, like to, to, exactly. to bring back yes, how Adeline yes. is doing. Um, because like I said, I come from a small town. So even people who I didn't invite to the wedding and I hadn't talked to since high school were um, aware of what had happened. And yeah, you know, this brings up uh, a few interesting points, which you have already made to to a point. And that is. I've interviewed a lot of people who have been in similar shoes, you know, where they did not want to go on and suicide became a part of their thoughts daily. Now, in light of what we are seeing right now with celebrities, you Mm -hmm. know, that that comes to the forefront in everybody's mind when we talk about suicide, of course, and it always does. Back to people who have been in your shoes and have been able to come out the other side and overcome the negative thoughts and overcome, you know, especially the thoughts of taking your own life. And also in light of what is going on when we look at the news and a celebrity committed suicide, you in that position or anyone in that position, do you ever give a a thought when you're listening to something like that because it is so prevalent? That could be me. And does that part of that make you want to do it more or to is it a wake-up call to whoa what about my family if I do this and all the people I'm going to hurt 
You mean in in the time when I was feeling that way? Yes, exactly. Because there's so many people when they listen to you know these kind of stories, which way do they think? Because you were in you were in those shoes, and that's essentially what I what I'm trying to get at is here. Did you mm. feel that that was a wake up call? And whoa, you know, like when you hear things like that, or was it? Gosh, I wish I had been able to do that too. You know, it's interesting because I feel like. Like I said, it, at that time I was a therapist, and so I would. I mean, it's kind of ironic, but I had spent years supporting people um, from healing from being suicidal, and I would always encourage and and kind of be curious about like who would they be leaving behind, and kind of like support them in feeling those pain points. But when I was there myself, um, you know, celebrities didn't matter. Nothing mattered, you know. And then I was even trying to do counseling on myself, like Adelina, think about your family, who you would leave behind. And, you know, I have young nieces and nephews, think about them and what, you know, trauma you're going to leave in their life and um, for, for you to, to die. But again, I was so depressed that it didn't move me to change the way I was thinking. Interesting. Plus, it brought on more guilt, which just made you just want that to shut up. You want that to stop, right? Right. Okay, very interesting point. I've never asked that question before of how that affects someone in your shoes. So I'm glad you you brought that up. That's excellent. It doesn't really matter because of the state of depression you're in. At least it wasn't for me. Yeah, nothing nothing was sparking me. Like I, I was having a hard time just rolling out of bed. So like whatever I was listening to or hearing or any thought, it just was at a very muted level. You know, like that that depressive state where you're nothing excites you or triggers. It just feels like heavy. Horrible. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the pivotal point? You know, the pivotal point for me was that I was I was praying every night that I wouldn't have to wake up because I, that was the only way I could think of. I was like, okay, the best way for me to die that would be painless and 100 percent effective would be that I would just die in my sleep. But really? you know, and. And I know a lot of times people think like, oh, when you're old, you want to die in your sleep. But I was like, no, I want to die today. God, if you universe, whatever you call that, that energy for me, I was just like praying out there. Whoever wakes me up in the morning, can you just not wake me up? And then every morning when I woke up, I got angry because I didn't understand why I kept getting woken up when other people I knew were dying every day. Oh, my goodness. Right? And then I, I heard from this place beyond me, something I would never say, a humbling voice of truth say, I'm not done using you. Mm. That, Carol, that woke me up. Because it was this, like I said, it wasn't a voice from me. And all of a sudden, this idea of I was to be used. And so... So you felt worthy at the moment. Yeah. And not just worthy, but I felt like, this experience, this experience of my depression, of wanting to die, of the end of my engagement, of my extreme shame was for a reason. There was a purpose to it. I was going to be able to do something with it, maybe help more people, support more people who have felt that way before. Well, I think essentially that's what I said way back in the beginning is that you took, as many others do, those traumatic experiences and use them as stepping stones to something better rather than stumbling into something worse. Yes, yes. But I I think it for me, it really was that intuitive voice that told me I'm not done using you. 
that so changed what ha- everything. What happened next? So then that very next day, um, I was talking to my acupuncturist and she gave me all these different ideas of ways in which I can support my healing. Because like I told you, I was doing everything I knew to do. Um, And one thing she did was introduce me to um, my mentor. And so through that work and through coaching, um, really finding a foundation in, in faith and in, you know, I call the universe, God, all, it's all interchangeable for me, but just finding your inner faith. And I found my inner faith and was able to surrender into that and, and heal. And so allowing my life to be for a cause and to support others. And did you then, because you were a therapist already, did mm-hmm. you just take what you already knew or did you begin a new course of uh, therapy to understand how you could help others in this respect? Right. Yeah, no, I went into a deep study and I'm still studying, but I studied from inspirational teachers and intuitive teachers here and abroad to go into a path beyond what I had been trained in as a therapist. And then I've actually since left the field of um, social work so that I can really support people past their coping in whatever capacity they're wanting to grow and learn. What would you say would be the first thing that somebody should do if they're listening to this today, for example, and they are in that really depressed state? What, you know, it may, you make it sound very easy because you were able to come out of it, right? But somebody who's in the middle of that, what can you say to them to kind of possibly give them their wake-up call or to help them in some way? Do you have any, any keys that you could share? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you're totally right. It wasn't an easy process by any means while I was there. Um, you know, I think the first step was for me to open up. I, what happened was I, when I opened up to my acupuncturist and when I opened up to close loved ones about the scary thoughts that I was having, because I also, I was having them by myself and I was brainstorming. I wasn't telling anybody, hey, by the way, I'm thinking about jumping in front of a train, but I, it, that sounds painful and I'm not 100% sure I'll die that way. You know, um, when I was having those thoughts, I was really alone in them. And so reaching out to close loved ones and letting them know, um, even if you're not wanting, because at the time I didn't want to be stopped, I didn't want to be convinced to live, but just to be able to share, hey, I'm having these thoughts, I think is definitely the first step. You know, that's really a tough place because I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you really don't want to be stopped. Mm -hmm. And how do you come out of that? I mean, it's like you said, by the grace of God that brought you out. But how, you know, the average person, it's it must be horrendous as far as the battle that goes on in the mind to come to that place to make that decision to take a step in a different direction. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is when I heard the message as grateful as I was to, oh, I have a purpose. I was also sad because I so wanted to die. It's just, it was just interesting. I was like, oh no, you're not going to kill me in my sleep. 
you know, you're because you have some other purpose. So I'm excited. I'm grateful to have this purpose. And yet I'm sad because so much of me wanted to die. And so, um, you know, I think, again, just opening yourself up to others. And then what I also did that I think anybody can really do is taking a moment to just let in what is one way that you could support yourself through this. And what, you know, for my, from, from sharing it with close loved ones, they were begging me, can you, can you go see a therapist? Can you go do this? Can you talk to somebody? And so when I first started therapy, I didn't think it was going to do anything. And here I was a therapist, but I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm committed. I'm going to kill myself. I just don't know when, but I'm fine for you so that you can rest easy. I will try it out. I'll try out seeing a therapist. I'll try out going to the gym. I'll try these things out. And so, but little by little, those started to shift me to the point that I could hear the message that there was a purpose for me because there was things happening prior to that moment to allow me to hear that message. Let's look at this from the other side. What can we do just as friends or uh, relatives, acquaintances of someone who may be struggling? What signs can we look for? And then what can we do to help them if we feel that they're going through something like this? Because I think it's scary for people. Yeah. You know, so what it, What would you have liked someone to do maybe? What, or do you have any tips or suggestions for those that really want to help somebody else? Yeah, I think being just knowing that your presence makes a difference and it can feel the opposite because it feels like a helpless situation when somebody is there. But just knowing internally, I'm making a difference just by being here. Okay. Right. And then I think that the other thing, which I is also from actually my therapy training, is asking, just being transparent. And it might sound really scary and it might feel really scary, but asking someone, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Really? You think that's yes. important? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is people think, oh, if I ask that, it's going to solidify their plan. Or something, yes, or it's going to yes. make them think more about it. But it's not true. If they're thinking about it, they're already thinking about it. And so, but to, because a lot of it, I wasn't able to tell people I was thinking about it because it's so, it takes so much vulnerability for me to say, hey, I'm thinking about killing myself, right? But when somebody would ask, are you thinking about it? It's much harder to lie, right? Interesting. And well, so I- you, you can let them know and you can ask them that. And then from there, you can. Um, get them some professional help. I think that one of the reasons that uh, when somebody commits suicide that appeared to have been a very strong person and people are in a state of shock, that is really very often a cover-up, isn't it? And we show our strength and we're out there, you know, helping somebody else, but inside the battle that's going on and we're covering it up with literally the opposite. Is that like, you know, like we might not even be aware that they're hurting and there's really nothing that we can do in that during those times, is there? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're like an acquaintance, it's much harder to note if because people a lot of times when it comes to acquaintances, we put on performances, yes, you know, yes. because we're, it's not deeper. But it, I think if I mean, just from my from my own experience, from personal experience, the people who are closest to me, they knew something was up. 
Okay. But many of them didn't know how to approach it. It was it was a you know talking to them afterwards. It was a really scary time for them because they didn't know what they could do. Because up until then, I had been like you know like you said one of the people that people always felt like had everything together. And then I was also a therapist, so they're like, oh, well, she must know what she's yeah. doing, <laughs> you know. Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It is. But I, again, just checking in. And you know, the other thing is, and I would say the, the main thing, if you're a, a friend of somebody, is check in with your gut. Your gut knows if someone mm, is good point. is having a hard time, if someone needs help. Your gut will tell you, regardless of, you know, how much they're smiling or whatever your gut will tell you um give them a hug ask them this question connect with them and it's worthwhile stepping out and do that i mean the worst case scenario you could lose maybe a friend over it but the best case scenario is you could save their life correct yeah definitely interesting so tell us now what you have some things that you are offering first of all um you've changed uh, you're, the way you do therapy, is that correct? And, and you're, you're, um, are you helping people with different types of programs, as I mentioned in the beginning, about supporting women to turn their lives around? So just share a little bit about what you are offering, what you do. Right, yeah. So I am so grateful. I actually have stepped out of the realm of therapy um, and take my experience as a therapist and I combine it with my training as a coach and I offer life coaching programs and services, one-on-one groups. And um, I also do speaking engagements as a way to really inspire people to shift and change their lives for the better. You know, what I'd love to offer everyone listening who's interested is actually a gifted meditation. And you can get that right on my website, surrenderedhealing.com. Because what I find is so often, and myself included, our pains are rooted in our childhood. And so if we can support ourselves in getting clear of those remnant pains, then we can really heal in today. Basically what you're offering is to give people tools. Right. Yeah. And it's a free tool. So if you just go on my website, it's there. You can sign up and it will automatically be sent to you. Um, And then for those of you who are ready to go deeper, I also have another gift. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to have been supported by so many people in my life. So it's important to me to to give wherever I see that I can. And and then anyone who's ready to, to dive deeper, if you're feeling a longing, a discontent, um, if you're ready for more, if you want a new job, if you're wanting a new relationship, a new home, there's just something more bubbling up inside of you and you want that, um, I'd love to also gift you a free session. So it's a 90-minute session. It's also on my website, but just it's usually an application process. So just put in your application that you heard about me through never ever give up hope and I'll bypass the application process for you. Oh. Yeah, nor- normally it's $500. I really believe in the work that you're doing, Carol, and I just, I want to further support that. And so however I can support it and gifting to, you know, those that are listening on your end, I would love to do that. It's interesting that you said that because there are so many hurting people and you, we don't know, we don't know who we're rubbing shoulders with you know, and who, um, who's helping us at the grocery store or Mm -hmm. at the bank or what, and what they may be going through and just becoming aware. I think this is one of the things that I'm hearing you say is become aware of people around you and step out and say, you know, are you okay? And maybe give them a hug and you just never know. 
they might reject you, but you may really be able to help them. So as the type of coach that you are, who would be candidates for this? Yeah, great question. And so you mentioned earlier, you know, I love serving women. I also love serving anybody who is from like an underrepresented identity. So LGBTQ identified folks, right? Um, But folks who are ready for something different, where they feel this longing, they're being called to do something, but they have this idea that they have no way to do it. Like it seems impossible for them. They would love to start a new business. They would love to find the love of their life and start a new family. Um, There's this yearning in them and yet they're not sure how to do it. They just know they have this yearning. Um, And so I definitely love serving folks who are in that place. I'm also available to serve people who have experienced what I've experienced, which is a lot of grief or depression. Really anybody on the spectrum who wants something more for their life. That covers a lot of people. It does. It does. Yeah. And and yet, you know, what I have found is that I'm a true believer in synchronicities. And when you feel called to be, serve somebody and they feel called to serve to be served by you, it it's a perfect match. And so I keep it broad because I think that everybody is somebody I would love to serve. And if they feel connected to me. That's right. Exactly. Now, do you have a website that people can go to? Yes surrenderedhealing.com so that's easy enough to remember surrenderedhealing.com and that'll be on your on your uh, page as well to give all the information and your uh, various ways that people can connect with you as well so I thank you well this has been enlightening because I know that all of us are affected by this in one form or another whether it's somebody we know or something like Uh, something that we may be going through ourselves and so basically this is something for everybody and I appreciate you making it broad because it is it does cover a lot of area and so that is very much appreciated thank you we're not limiting anybody in other words and you know what when if if they can put in their application and ask a question you're not going to charge them for that aspect of it then that's awesome they can find out if that is a good connection there then Exactly. Yes. In the, in that session, I'll be going in one-on-one with you on what's your longing, your discontent. And so we can get clear on that. Okay. And then what is your, what's the vision that's being, you're being called to, and I'll help you move any fog in the way of that. And then we'll go into next steps and next steps could mean a bunch of different things, but just really honing in on what your intuition, what your gut is telling you is the next steps. And making a plan of action towards that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing that today and also sharing from your heart and what you went through because there has to be, I mean, you've had to have overcome shame and guilt and all those other negative emotions in order to be able to share. And that's a huge, that's a huge victory. And so I thank you for doing that because it also shows others that no matter where they're at, that they can come through it and they can get out the other side and then they can help somebody else. It is. And it's it's such a, a rewarding experience. And I yes. don't say that lightly. I know it's been used and it can feel it cliche, but it really is. It's such a rewarding experience to know I went through that experience for a reason and now I'm able to support others through whatever experience of hardship that they're experiencing. So is there anything else you would like to add to sum up what you have shared with us today? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. 
for me, I would really love to just say if there's any takeaway that you get from listening to this podcast of our interview, I'd love for you to just know that that power inside of you, your inner voice, your inner guidance is more powerful than any circumstance that you're facing today. Excellent summary. Thank you. That's perfect way to close. And thank you again for being on Never ever give up hope and I hope that all the listeners out there will take advantage of what you have had to offer Adelina and I appreciate you taking the time to share with us today thank you so much Carol thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring Carol Graham did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to quitting was never an option Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.